And welcome back, folks, to another round of Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler. And today, we're going to discuss UFOs a bit. The image of the UFO. And if you've listened to the last few episodes, you'll understand what exactly I mean by the image of... We'll talk about that a little bit today. I think the bird outside of my window has finally stopped chirping. So I think I can actually roll with this take. It's the third time I've had to do this intro. Luckily, I didn't get very far. Uh, these are the these are the hurdles that will have to be um, leapt over to eventually get to live recordings. This is why I still do pre-recorded. So anyway, that goddamn bird. I sent it some very negative thoughts, so I think that shut it up. <laughs> UFOs. Some people are for them. Some people are against them. <laughs> um, but. If, you've, if you're familiar with any of my material outside of this show, uh, you will probably be familiar with some of my stances on uh, the UFO phenomena. If you're unfamiliar, well, you know, these aren't going to be entirely foreign concepts, but it's not going to be the standard narrative. And I guess I could just preface this whole thing by saying UFOs are going to be very ancillary to the discussions that I uh, will have on this show, as it's been thus far. You know, I've mentioned them a handful of times, and there will be guests that will probably go into greater detail about them, but as far as my stance on the UFO, and yes, my encounters, uh, no, not encounters, sightings. I've not encountered anything. Uh, You gotta be careful with your lingo there. Um... Yeah, I'll pretty much just keep it wrapped up to this episode. And so anyone that, you know, when I talk about it with anyone else in the future, um, aside from maybe giving them, for the sake of our conversation, some brief footnotes, I will essentially just direct people's attention to this episode here. But, you know, there's been other places where I've talked about this. Uh, but I just I think it's crucial to kind of moving forward, you know. If the things I tell people that I tend to be interested in and research are the esoteric, you know, the philosophical, the mystical, and the philosophical, sometimes it depends on your audience what word to use. Some people aren't going to know what esoteric means, and I'm not going to break it down for them right there because they don't care that much. So I'll say philosophy. Um, if people are familiar with terms. I'll say, you know, like comparative religion, probably. But, you know, then, or I'll say Jungian psychology, because it's all the same thing. And if someone knows well enough, I can toss a, you know, a handful of those terms or all of them out. And that's when the conversation gets really fun. But anyway, so comparative religion, I guess, the biggest umbrella term. Now, if I were to really pin it down. So I say that. And so people will ask you, all right, so what about God? What about the devil? What's the meaning of life? Well, we have at least addressed that at this point. Um, We've addressed all three of those sort of together in episode four, Alchemy as Adaptation, and then the last two, the images of God and the devil. And then the other boilerplate thing is I like to research the unexplainable. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, 
crazy stuff, what some people will call Fortean phenomena, you know, Mothman, UFOs, Bigfoot. And, and then the next question is, so are they real or not? And, and I say, first and foremost, I'm interested in the psychology of the belief in them. And, and then secondly, I draw people's attention to the, what's the best way to put it? The accounts and the ramifications, you know, had by and given to the experiencer. Um, there are a lot of people who see strange, experience strange, unexplainable, sometimes disturbing phenomena that have to truly have nothing to gain from it. And they never seek to gain anything from it. So, and then and, and not only that, but their lives seem to have been more often than not impacted by these experiences. They're things that they can't shake, even if they wanted to. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? Uh, from an objective point of view, even if we don't want to believe in a, a specific thing, I think I would say it is too magical to think that UFOs are visiting us, flesh and blood from other planets, and that there is a Loch Ness monster and a Bigfoot. You know, this is not Harry Potter. We have to bring it down to scale a little bit. What we do know is that things, these things, to one degree or another, have always been seen within the human experience. You know, as far as we've been able to record the human experience, these things have been seen. You know, not Loch Ness monster, not Nessie specifically, but sea creatures. And some of that can be explained. And in, in fact, I, you know, sea creatures, it's a fun part of the conversation, but that's not what I'm driving at here. But, you know, let's just talk about Fortiana for a second, because this is, and anyone that doesn't know, Fortiana means Charles Fort. You know, the, the, the philosophy that he espoused and that people adhere to. And it's not a strict code of anything. It's more a definition of phenomena, meaning that Fortean phenomena is unexplainable phenomena that tends to have what a, sim, a symbolic mind would call a hermetic punchline, where things seem to not add up on purpose. There seems to be things that are so peculiar that they almost seem like cosmic jokes. We'll get into that a little more. You could describe that in other terms as dream logic. You know, the way our mind incorporates and processes and projects actual dreaming. But Fortean phenomena, and which is also it kind of uh, now embodies the study of cryptozoology, for those unfamiliar. They're not exclusively the same, not by any means, but at this point, cryptozoology is sort of the biggest part of Fortean phenomena, just in the sense of the unexplained and, and the very strange and the very weird. You know, sea creatures, you could lump that into cryptozoology. Many sea creatures are still regarded as cryptozoological entities, animals. Um, but we know, you know, certain things like the giant squid. People didn't even think that actually existed for the longest time. Um, and there's other examples like Hogzilla. You know, people didn't believe that wild boars could become the size of Ford F-150s. Uh, but they 
they do in certain cases. You can look up a Hogzilla online. It's like a freaking monster truck. It's preposterously huge. Um, you know, so there are smaller cases. There's a lot of mythology. Um, there's a lot of mythological creatures. People didn't believe the platypus existed for a long time. There's a there's a Vietnamese soft shell tortoise that people didn't think existed for a long time. There's a lot of real world examples of cryptozoology which has such a carryover and is inspired by mythology and where these things have actually played out as um surprisingly being very true and so you couldn't consider ufos a part of cryptozoology but so many people that are interested in cryptids as they call them are interested in UFOs, myself included, and that that umbrella term, philosophy, is Forteanism. Okay? Everybody with me still? Now that we've covered sort of the, the umbrella terms, we can focus on the UFO a bit more. Now, what do I think is going on here? Well, before I tell you about some of my experiences in Alaska, I will say, I will preface with a couple things here. Uh, firstly, I don't like the term UAP. I think it's silly. I think it's unnecessary. And I just don't know what the overall purpose is. Um, and for those that don't know that, um, UAP stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And I guess it's couched as this uh, a, a, a distinction between UFOs that were sort of pigeonholed as science fiction and the UAP is the real version, which it just, eh, no, no thank you. No thank you at all. I'm super tired of people relabeling things. Um, granted, you know, some relabeling, I'm not, I'm not taking digs here. I'm just saying... <clears throat> certain relabeling we can't just work with outdated models but the, the ufo as a as an acronym uh needed no update so i just don't get it if you use the term uap that's fine um i just i'm just gonna keep using the word ufo you know what i don't understand so anyway ufos um it's also important to drive home that when it comes to this sort of unexplainable phenomena, I think that there are greater forces at play. I don't think that any of these things exist on the standard material levels that cryptozoology would suggest. Now, in certain cases, as I've just stated, it that is so. But, you know, when it comes to Bigfoot, um, the, the whole nine yards, hellhounds, you know, whatever else, we, we could... We could go through a list, but you could just as well Google that list and check it out yourself of, you know, the top crazy cryptids. Now, there's something going on, and I don't think it's exactly straightforward. And I've done a, a pretty great deal of legwork already in these shows to articulate how there are plenty of grounds for phenomena to physicalize seemingly out of nowhere. Um in many real-world scenarios. I've gone through, uh, in the poltergeist episode, uh, police reports about poltergeists. 
Um, you know, in Hunt Manual, I, I've talked about uh, Sasquatch police reports. Uh, you know, just so many different UFO sighting and abduction cases that you can look at. And there's so many fascinating possession stories. You know, for every nine really bogus, hokey, sad uh, possession exorcism stories, you find one that's absolutely haunting. And maybe it's even less than that. Maybe it's even one in 50 or something. But every once in a while, you come across these truly haunting cases. And that's something that will be a whole episode. But things physicalize in those examples, too. Um, people witness whole things transpire, wounds come out, um, vomiting different types of objects. Um, and none of these things ever leave the, the, the exorcism room. But everyone seems to be involved in some sort of synchronized hallucination that's not just a, a hallucination. Because I think that that has the connotation that these things are random and sort of delusional. I don't think that they're delusional, though, because I think that the root word there, um, I'm no linguist, but at least the way I see it, is deluded. And these things can overtake us and they can lead us, you know, like look at paranoid schizophrenia. But even in those examples, the hallucinations take on sort of a symbolic symmetry to them. They work with the natural, symbolic, allegorical components that are in the mind. And in certain cases, in certain trance states, with certain magical rites that I think can get us into states of hypnosis that we scarcely understand yet, um, we can actually physicalize things, if but momentarily. And so this is sort of taking us to the outer limits of the conversation in general, because I like to keep things pretty grounded and I like to keep it skeptical, uh, but open minded. But if we are entertaining the full spectrum of ufology, we have, you know, and also including other un unexplainable phenomena like poltergeists and even certain possessions, we have to come to some sort of agreement as researchers communicating with each other here host to listeners that there's a there is scientific evidence for things to physicalize out of nowhere and the only correlate we have is the human psyche and the observer whether that gets you into quantum physics or other rabbit holes the idea is that without the experiencer there is an incomplete circuit that we're dealing with some sort of what you could call metaphysical phenomena and as I've stated in the last episodes I think even the idea of metaphysical phenomena has a scientific basis you know the metaphysics of the gaps it's what science does not understand and in some cases might not ever understand but it works in tandem with science when it's done correctly and as and that's how it was intended uh, throughout history, you know, initially before it was exoterically corrupted time and time again. So is all this coming from the human mind, the human psyche, or UFOs, some sort of, you know, perhaps we're tapping into some sort of third eye pineal gland DMT experience? Not necessarily, although 
that's likely a factor. But if that is the case, uh, it, then the UFO phenomena is threshold to all sorts of psychic phenomena that we scarcely understand. But where does the physical nature of the UFO come from? Where does any of the physical nature of any of this unexplainable phenomena come from? Again, the only common denominator we have is the experiencer. And and we don't know whether a UFO crashing in the forest actually exists if a, if a human being isn't around to experience it. We don't know for sure. So it could be all stemming from the human psyche, but I leave room for the possibility, because it's not entirely disproven, not by any stretch, uh, that this that this isn't some sort of phenomena outside of us, something that we might be interacting with. And whether that is, is that something sentient? I don't know. Who knows? Um, it could just be, you know, some sort of trippy aurora borealis type electromagnetic phenomena that sends the human brain into a trance state that we interpret through this kaleidoscopic visionary state that we have um, that that mimics uh, the same archetypes in the sky throughout all of human culture with subtle changes through an evolutionary sociocultural telephone game that brings a chariot of the gods to a UFO. It, there could be something still at play here, but if you haven't picked up by now, I don't think that it comes from other planets, and I don't... We'll get into the government later, but I, let's start here. I don't think it comes from other planets. I do think life exists on other planets. Um, I'm just a skeptic about how much life can exist um physical life can exist not tethered to a planet i don't think we fully understand all of that yet uh, and space travel i think might be far more degrading and um just essentially brutal on the physical body than we take into account yet because we haven't had enough uh, research to push the limits of humans in space. I mean, we see how people degrade out there. I think that even taking uh, the right precautions into account, I'm not sure how well the human being or any actual physical organism is adapted to surviving in space long enough to travel. Uh, to, you know, maybe there's some interdimensional teleportation. That's that's for a different show, though. That's too. That's a little surprising to some, maybe, but that's a little too much speculation for me at this point. Um, <laughs> but let's see. In, in, in terms of, you know, this is definitely the way outer limits, but I'm trying to keep it grounded, um, as I hope shows. And now it's not an entirely uncommon um, occultist or spiritualist belief to have these days that sort of the entire cosmos feeds into one spiritual thing. Like, what if humans and aliens on all these planets are all part of this reincarnation network? You know, anything's possible. That's also a little bit too far out of the, beyond the limits of any sort of grounded conversation. But I think it's interesting. Where we can take the conversation at this point is that there's definitely 
this recurring theme of the chariot of the gods. And as Carl Jung pointed out, um, you know, these things still do show up on radars. There is certainly a physical nature to it, especially when you look into abductee implants or incision marks or even crop circles. Look, any one of these could be a hoaxes, but on a case-by-case basis, um, not every one of these is a hoax. There is truly unexplainable things going on out there. And what if similar to a priest stigmata or, you know, wounds of an exorcism, uh, we can also see crop circles. I don't know. It's 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 certainly not impossible. What if that's the same thing that allows us to come uh, to? What if that's the same thing that allows us to stumble across um, a Bigfoot track or to see something that looks like Nessie out in Loch Ness? I've told this story before, but there is an old fourteen investigator who has uh, since passed away now by the name of. Oh, man, what was his name? Um, I'll include it in the notes. I'm not going to bother to Google it right now. Uh, But he wrote a book, and um, it was called The Goblin Universe. It was about these kinds of things that we're talking about. His last name was Holiday. Ted, I believe. Ted Holiday. Um, And there's one part of the book where he goes out with two Catholic priests, and they actually go out to... Uh, the center of Loch Ness to try and exercise the lock from the the demon or the spirit, the essence of Nessie. I think that's stabbing in the right direction. I don't think that that was an entirely fruitful endeavor. And to their credit, they said that this was experimental and they didn't know what would come of it, if anything. So I like the spirit of that, though. That's fun. And it, it right, it's like we maybe could have left it at the allegory, but the idea that if anything, haunts a a lake or the woods or a house, it is the idea of something. And that that idea can uh, scrounge up a certain quality of mindset within us that allows us to sort of be impressionable enough or perhaps strong enough, uh, like worked up, psychologically enough to begin projecting how much of this is an impression of the environment whether it's physical or not and how much of this is a projection well that's sort of um you know who knows you can look into that yourself but what i will say is that there's very clearly a psychological projection component projection meaning we externalize we find ways to externalize Um, psychological conditions uh, so that we can wrap our heads around them greater. You know, the image of God is the projection of our own adaptation, in a sense. The image of the devil is the projection of that sort of de-evolution. The projection of the UFO is the thing that hearkens to something greater. You know, it's... It's this hermetic quality that that beckons something greater for the human being in the cosmos, but sort of laughs in our face and never gives us a straight answer, but always seems to remain present, uh, present enough to where the full collective consciousness cannot deny it, even if many do try still. 
it, it, it seems to be sort of the embodiment. You know, Jung said that you could make a lot of parallels between the 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 concept of the UFO, especially the saucer and the mandala, and this sort of infinite web, this fractal web, as above, so below. And even when it's not a saucer, I think that that's telling. I think that I think that looking at the UFO as a symbol of something greater than us, something greater meant for us as as human beings in the cosmos. Um, I think that that's a sound and um, even necessary takeaway when looking at the psychology of the UFO. So if we were to recap here, I would say that I don't think um, that things from other planets are visiting us. Um, I do think that the UFO is a projection of the human psyche, not because the, the, the universe gravitates around the human being, but because it is something, there's something intrinsic to the completion of this, which, what you might call a metaphysical allegorical circuitry here. Um, it seems like human beings are an integral part. Because they seem to represent, they seem to change with the human idea of them over time. That's the big catch. Look at science fiction in today's era. Look at mythology throughout history. It morphs with us for a reason. And that reason seems to be to uh, embody the existential quandary of the human being. And I think in certain cases that can physically manifest, if but only for a moment, briefly, and in certain vague ways. The very nature of this phenomena is to perpetuate uh, the question of, you know, cosmic, the cosmic existence of the human being. How do we fit into all this? What does all this mean for us? Um, what are the implications you know, perhaps if not for the UFO, uh, the average person might not ask these questions, might not have ever asked these questions throughout history. You know, certainly not as frequently. So I think that if we look at the collective idea of comparative religion, mythology, and how that has been the fertile soil for our what we know as ufology today, uh, I think that it very much makes sense what the image of the UFO represents to the human being. And as I said before, I don't think that the, this discounts a potential metaphysical aspect of this that exists outside of the human being. And, you know... It could, it could be other things from other planets. It could be teleportation from other planets. But the point is, if it's any other thing, it includes this psychological aspect. Because when you look at the phenomena, the only thing that becomes abundantly clear is the psychology of the experience. Perhaps that's just because it's our only vantage point. But when that becomes a fundamental aspect of... Um, of, of the research, 
um, you can't fully discount that. So UFOs have a psychological, dare I say, metaphysical component. And when we get back from the break, I'll discuss some of my UFO sightings in Alaska outside of Anchorage. And we'll talk about my opinion on government, uh, just just the government in general butting into uh, UFO investigations. This is Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler. We'll be right back after this. Feel it coming, I can feel it going. I think if the door closed, I can will it open. I can turn water from the chocolate milk, raw cut from the cloth of a boss's ilk. Wore silk last summer, now I'm only wearing a towel. Check next week if you think I'm arrogant now. American child, land of being warily proud. A fool's gold sitting there to be found. Take a picture for the internet wearing a crown. Ran house when I ran with a gambling crowd. Ran mouth not once. Wasn't my style, camped out under black clouds, letting rain cover me now. This is in Kansas. This is canvas. Bookworm, never big man, no on campus. Look first, walk last, think first, tall glass, hand full, tall glass, rise up, fall fast. Keep running. Even if the hits keep coming, even if the sky starts tumbling down, tumbling down, tumbling down. Fear hitting the ground. Keep running. Even if the hits keep coming, even if the sky starts tumbling down, tumbling down, tumbling down, tumbling down. Listen, as we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard, and they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. Thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at IamDarkWaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at IamDarkWaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dogman Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dogman Murder in Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dogman. Louisiana Water Demon Stories. Sign up today and become a member at imdarkwaters.com. 
That's imdarkwaters.com. Welcome back, folks, to Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler, and we're still talking about UFOs. And don't forget, I've mentioned it once before, but not yet this episode. I'm actually going to be featured in a UFO documentary that's about this this whole angle, this psychological, even psychedelic angle to the UFO. It's called From UAP to, or From DMT to UAP or uh, vice versa and it will be released by Mike Mazzi of Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape podcast Um, if you're unfamiliar with them they're they're sort of underground staples to the you know like psychedelics and ancient history they get people on that are um, uh, interested in scholarly approaches towards UFOs um if you like graham hancock you'll like um mike and maurice's mind escape uh they've been around for a while and they've had a lot of esteemed guests uh you know that like run in hancock circles and but i don't think they've had him on yet but i've been on there so you can see our conversations and um if you're listening now you can at least go see the documentary's trailer. It will be released at some point, unless it's shelved. You never know what might happen. I highly doubt it will be shelved. But, you know, so at a certain point, you know, once it's out, everyone listening, you can forever just go ahead and watch that um, right after this podcast. So, you know, it'll be out one of these days. It's supposed to be maybe towards the beginning of 2023 or something like that. We'll see. And also, so we've been talking about how UFOs might not be visitors from other planets, but might be um, representations of the quandary of the human existential dilemma. Uh, Something that embodies our questions about how we fit into the scale of the universe. And how in some ways these things can be physicalized and now but if there is a projection process can you just summon a ufo can you will it into existence um maybe i mean yes and no i think that um in all throughout life you can find strong examples of wanting something too much to the point where you just seem to repel that thing I think that happens with a lot of ufologists. They just become so obsessed with the idea that they can. Ne- it's it's so elusive, and they can't ever seem to stumble across a sighting. And then you have people like me that could give a shit that have seen them multiple times. I don't give a shit. I, I I give a shit a little bit now, but I wouldn't even UFOs would be like at the bottom of my list if not for the sightings that bumps them up a bit. And even still. I just don't like the idea of ufology because it's very beholden to government intel and government insiders and a bunch of hucksters, sometimes on the governmental side and many times otherwise, you know, just outright crazy people. So I don't consider myself a ufologist at all. 
Uh, but yes, I I'm definitely interested in the the phenomena. But I'm interested in the broader picture more so than I am interested in pouring through, um, you know, being uh, some sort of UFO lore expert. Although I've done my due diligence, I'm just saying, like, if you want that UFO source, there are other people who have dedicated their entire, um, you know, their entire field. They, they've dedicated their entire brains to being a UFO encyclopedia. But I do think that in the same way that we can see that, to throw another example that fits into this whole thing, um, sleep paralysis as this sort of projection of a disoriented trauma. You know, it's it's what happens when the sleep process is jammed and we start uh, projecting our physical body's map elsewhere in a way that's disorienting and discombobulating. And it u- usually takes on dark series of events more often than not because the whole trigger of the disorientation of the body map was because of stress or or trauma induced stress you know of of the small or large variety whether that be a big life event or just chronic agoraphobia or what have you so that is that person who's experiencing sleep paralysis and shadow people are they attracting that um not necessarily but there's certainly a, a cause and effect that's being routinely initiated um and in the same way that jung carl jung said a recurring dream tells the sequence tells a, a broader sequence of events that you can look at on a continuum of a lesson you're trying to teach yourself or something that you're trying to discover or unfold i think if you are continuing to see ufos it is or any have any sort of unexplainable phenomena continuously um it represents some sort of continuum of something that deeper in the psyche that is you know magic you know mysticism the the uncovering of a of a small glimpse of the ever unfolding sacred mysteries so let's get into it a little bit at this point i'm you know i've i've said the stories many times so i'm not even going to go into extensive detail but i will give you all the details you need um but i saw them i i when i was living in alaska in eagle river outside of anchorage i i lost count i probably saw them like seven times and I think four times I would truly count. So the first time, this is the one that I don't even really count, but it lays groundwork for the rest of them. Um, I was on some mushrooms with some friends and we saw some strange things in the sky. Now, the curious thing about that is we all saw the same things. And when I was sober, seeing these things on other occasions, they were the same thing. The second time I saw them, I was alone, and there's a there's a patch of wilderness um, after my backyard, and and beyond that patch of wilderness, it's pretty dense. You know, these things aren't that far away, not at all. We're talking about like all within a football field. Uh, there's a small lumber yard. It's dark. I see a bright light in the sky, a very bright light, and I am a little stoned. But that's not even anything new. 
Um, and I think like, oh, that's just a light from the lumber yard. So I slink down in my chair and I see that the light is not overtaken by the fence line as it should be. And in fact, is coming towards me. So um, I notice that this thing is coming right towards me. This is all, always at night. This is usually around like 2 or 3 a.m. Um, in fact, it always was around that time, the witching hour. <laughs> um, and so, and I have a burner phone at the time, a flip phone that you pay minutes for because I don't really care. I'm just not very well connected. And so at that moment, I decide I'm not going to film this. I'm just going to, but if there was anything to film, it would have been this. I guess in some ways I do regret that because this thing flies silently over. It's a triangle, sort of like a manta like a manta ray and it has the tip cut off and it has red and blue lights and a big on, on the tips of the wings and a big white light in the in the center and even me for a second thought wait are my eyes playing tricks on me is this a plane because it didn't have the same patterns but it had the same lights you know the same um you know red and blue and that's what you see on commercial planes all the time this thing was right above my rooftop silent completely silent all you could see was bright white light um and i there's a little tiny chicken coop that like barely went above my waist i don't even think it went it, i don't even think it was taller than me so i just kind of like get up on it real quick try and get closer uh you know just uh, i try and get as close as i can which still isn't close enough to really make out anything beyond the light and the silhouette and this is huge. It's like, it's like at least, you know, and it's hard to tell exactly how big it was, how all the dimensions, but it was like at least the size of a barnyard shed up there. Um, but it didn't um, dwarf the house. If anything, it, it was no bigger than that. And I believe it was fairly smaller. So I get off the little chicken coop and I run out to my front yard and I watch this thing just continue to go. No one else is around. I haven't seen anybody the whole time. And now I'm in the middle of a suburban street at 3 a.m. just watching this thing continue to go over the tree lines and then it disappears over the Chugach mountain range eventually. Um, another time after that, I saw these things dancing around in the sky much higher up and I saw this thing flying faster than a shooting star do a 90 degree turn in the sky. And then there was another time that I'll never forget where I'm driving home with my buddy. We had been drinking a little bit. At this point, we were just tired. Okay, we weren't even drunk. We had been smoking weed a little bit. Um, I count these things as sober. Like, this is nothing more than a caffeine buzz. If you're, especially if you're a stoner, I just, I smoke weed. I use it medicinally. Because you can, <laughs> you can factor that in as like a, a point against me if you want. I don't give a shit. I don't expect you to believe me. These are just my stories, okay? Um, and with the groundwork I've laid so far, I think if anything, smoking a little bit of weed might get you into more of a hypnotic state to maybe be more receptive to these kinds of experiences. Who knows? And, you know, psychedelics included in that spectrum. Now, very double-edged sword, these things, and they can't be abused, but I do think it, that there's some food for thought there. Now, anyway, the last thing is we're driving home um, this is all in the same general area. We're talking about like uh, many miles, uh, but you know, it's like all within like a 15 minute drive radius. Okay. So all outside of Anchorage. 
for people that want specifics, Eagle River and Chugiak. Chugiak is the name of a place that exists outside of the Chugash mountain range, which is where all that's that's the main focus. Whenever I saw these things disappear behind a horizon, it was always around the Chugach mountain range. Now I saw this thing. It was like a triangle. It was like a bulbous triangle, almost like a blimp with three corners, and it was shining bright. It was floating just above the tree line. It was enormous, um, you know, bigger than a shed that time. It was like the size of a house, um, and it would shine bright, and it would light up the area around us like it was day for like a solid second, like a one Mississippi, and then it would go off for like three or four or five seconds, and then it would shine again, and it was consistent. And we just saw that on the side of the road while we were driving. And we couldn't have followed it even if we wanted to because the forest was so dense. But we saw that thing and we watched it um, until it disappeared from our line of sight because uh, it was going fairly fast anyway. We could have stopped the car and maybe gotten a little bit more of a look. But at that point, we were pretty freaked out, like silently freaked out, like to the point where we were just pretty emotionless, like what had just happened there? I don't know if I even want to talk about that. And we talked about it later. And and then I saw things after that in the sky. But at that point, I start to question myself. Those are the ones that I can't question. You know, the mushroom bit aside. Those are, those are what, three stories I just told you there that I truly cannot question in my mind. That was a UFO in the most classical sense of the word. Now, could it have been government? Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of... Um, um, there's all sorts of experimental aircraft that's been tested in Alaska. Alaska is huge for its military presence. We wouldn't, people wouldn't be living in Alaska at all, really, except for the natives, if there wasn't a military presence there. And it is far enough out of the way with an ample amount of room, uh, land to work with that's uninhabitable, but definitely uh, useful for experimentation. Uh, that there's all sorts of stuff going on out there. Alaska was actually, for those that don't know, the foreground of like military communication systems as we know it today, at least in the U.S. That's where the U.S. laid their groundwork. It was called the White Alice Communication System. And it just sort of um, um, mushroomed into um, all the radio communication that we have today. That was the implement. That was one of the biggest implements of it on a, a militarized national scale it was out in alaska so anyway if there's any place that they're just testing experimental action in the sky at night it would be alaska but it still doesn't make any sense uh why would they be doing this in residential areas with weird blinking lights none of it makes sense unless it's purely psychological warfare like psyops on the people exclusively but that seems far-fetched to me. I don't think that the government... Well, I do think they're capable of things like that. Um, I think that there's easier methods to conduct psyops on people without flying that kind of stuff in the sky. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is government tech. Maybe that is that is how it's government tech. But I don't see how um, a government would be, unless it's a psychological operation, what purpose there would be in flaunting that sort of technology even in the, the at the witching hour. So otherwise, what is it? Is it if it's not government and it's not something from another planet? 
because that seems highly unlikely either. What would they be doing just floating around like that? You know, it, it was so, there was such a lack of purpose. Um, what's going on here? What if the whole point of all of those sightings that I had was to ask those questions and to physically embody um, the necessity of that question? You know, and that might be an oversimplification. That might just be one component of this whole thing. But I think it's worth considering. I very much think it's worth considering. And that is the biggest conclusion that I can personally come to and where I've kind of rested my hat on this whole UFO phenomena is I was experiencing uh, these sightings at some of the most fundamentally what you might call alchemical times in my life. You know, the times where I was doing the most, uh, I was getting real nitty gritty, going to the workbench of my psyche and questioning, you know, who I really was. I'm always doing these things, but there's a certain point that I'm sure so many of you can relate to where like, similar to how you're just deep in a project in real life, you're remodeling your house that, that consumes so much of your time. Sometimes you're, you're, um, you know, performing alchemical processes on your own psyche. You're trying to turn lead into gold and it's a cumbersome process. And sometimes those things manifest in different ways, perhaps bad dreams. Perhaps you have a series of paintings that you did in a rough time that you keep in the attic. Uh, perhaps you're having sleep paralysis. Perhaps uh, you feel so pent up that, um, I don't know, maybe you're experiencing a poltergeist. Maybe you've seen some strange stuff in the sky. Um, maybe you saw some footprints on the ground. But I, I, I like the idea, and I think that there's plenty of weight to this line of thinking. And so that's it in terms of the phenomena for now. We'll discuss this in, you know, in more detail. It'll probably be tangential to other points that I'll make in episodes and it, it'll likely be brought up with guests. But now you know the things I've seen, the questions I ask, the, the, the conclusions, quote unquote, you know, the, the heuristic conclusions, the, the Occam's razor conclusions that I've sort of come to in my line of thinking. And, um, you know, we can branch out from there. Um, but in terms of, uh, the, you know, why I'm going to kind of leave it uh, tangential for the just this whole podcast in general. You know, I think once you have a certain mindset, I think that UFOs fall to the wayside a little bit. I think once you see that there are so many mysterious, unexplainable aspects of life, UFOs just become one, like part of the cornucopia of that whole thing, whereas some people become transfixed on this one thing and they think that it's the most central core focus and i think that that is uh it's a bit of a misstep um so i think that ufology more often than not gets culty it gets overzealous it gets new agey and weird um and then it also bleeds into just straight up government propaganda and these are sort of the final notes i'll leave you with because um, i think i've made my personal points um just my own food for thought pretty clear um, but I don't like talking about UFOs usually because it gets into this whole governmental angle. You know, we're always talking about government gatekeepers and who was an insider that worked for this person and who's telling the truth and who's lying and, 
you know how much is the how much government collusion have we had with ets and i think in more cases than not we see uh ufos used by the government as a way to sort of acknowledge an elephant in the room when it comes to one thing or another without actually giving the real answers you know it becomes this umbrella term that uh that the culture just sort of latches onto because it feeds into our imagination and our fantasies so much that it sort of, you know, allows us to turn a blind eye to whatever government corruption or uh, technology that they're trying to hide at the moment. So, and whether or not the government knows what the hell is going on with the UFO in the first place, who knows? I don't think they know much. Um, I don't think they have extraterrestrial technology. I think this is all... Uh, a ploy um and if they do then i think it speaks uh again we have to take into account the psychological components here um and where my sort of science fiction brain goes is if there is technology it has to be technology that utilizes the the energy of the imagination what if these things actually travel through the imagination what if that's the way we get from like different corners of the universe or different dimensions Probably not. It's probably just a fun idea, but that's where my brain tends to go because if it's not that, I don't think that there is um, UFO alien technology that's influenced us. And some people would disagree. Some smart people would disagree. And hey, I don't have all the answers, but that's just where I stand on it. Um, and so I don't trust any uh, government person for the most part. I like Jacques Vallée, who's sort of government adjacent in certain cases, uh, but he's not really a government man so to speak, not like a lot of these people. Um, and I definitely like Jean Keel, um, you know, the guy who wrote the book about the Mothman prophecies and so many others. Uh, he he very much um, is, you know, he was one of, him and Jacques Vallée are sort of the cornerstones of this, this mindset that takes a, a serious approach to ufology without taking the classical extraterrestrial approach to it. Um, and again, you know, it can't be discounted. And for me personally, I think it has a lot more weight than the actual classical UFO extraterrestrial idea. So what are UFOs being piloted by things? Are they, uh, you know, hallucinations, for lack of a better term, all on their own? I don't know. These are all good questions. We can't answer these all in one sitting. Perhaps we'll never have any, uh, you know, we'll never be able to answer the rest of these questions. But I think that we've gotten into, I think we've gotten into a good mindset, um, and and hopefully we've all gotten on the same page a little bit. So even if you disagree with me, you know where I'm coming from when we continue to talk about this, because it's not the standard idea, right? So you won't find me chasing UFO headlines. I could give a shit about the government's latest disclosure and what sort of documents they're revealing. I don't care. You know, it, it's just and it, it's so mind bogglingly irritating to see ufologists care about it so much. You know, they've been they've been uh, playing this game for decades and decades and decades. They've been promising disclosure for decades and decades and decades, and it's never going to come. You're all being duped. Sorry. Anyway. I don't think it's dumb to consider UFOs. And in fact, I think it's pretty healthy and natural in many ways. And um, I don't discourage anyone from following their interests in it and pursuing it as, you know, a topic of interest. Uh, learn more about it. But, 
there's a lot of different things at play here and don't just automatically assume um, that the standard science fiction model works because there's a lot of holes in it and it that also doesn't discount that there's something curious going on here something that we can see throughout history and I think that's pretty much all I have to say for this episode I think that was a pretty good summary and I think it will help carry us forward as we have more guests in the coming weeks and we continue to talk about more topics like mysticism and 4TN unexplainable phenomena um, I hope this was coherent and you enjoyed it and I hope you stick around and uh, join me next week for the next round of Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm your host, Anthony Tyler, and I hope you take care out there. Extreme cases, stick to the program.